Hello and welcome to the Infertility Podcast. My name's Daniel. And I'm Candice. Grab a biscuit because we've got the tea on all things infertility. If you'd like to stay up to date, you can follow me on Instagram at Operation Baby Bump. If you'd like to get connected, you can visit www.theinfertility.com. Welcome to episode five. Hello. Daniel is under the weather. It's man flu. Oh, please. Yeah. Sound like you have a frog in your throat. Yeah, it's very uncomfortable. Okay, well, (laughs) you don't have to talk much Okay. if you don't want to. Okay. That's my impression of Daniel right now. That was a bad impression. I thought it was pretty good. You were wrong. (laughs) Daniel and I deserve an award. We do? Yeah. Tonight is the 10th night in a row that we've eaten dinner at home. I mean, that's that's huge for us. us. (laughs) I I don't think in the nine years of us being together that... That has ever happened. Not even when I was really good at cooking dinner a lot of the time. We still had those lazy nights where we would just get fast food or get a pizza or something like that. At one point, we used to get um, vegetable like tacos from Taco Casa. Do you remember that? The like it would just be cheese and lettuce, <laughs> and they were like a dollar each. But yeah. Pretty good, actually, aren't they? Yeah. Love the Casa. They have great sweet tea. But we've just been trying to save a bit of money for the upcoming trip out of town for my surgery. And we have had, like tonight, we had tomato soup. It was really delicious. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, I made tacos one night, and then two nights later, I kind of recycled the leftover beans and stuff and made nachos and so I'm just trying to make lazy meals I should do a like a lazy picky lady cookbook or something yeah or just buy one over the 10 days we've not had one bad meal everything's been a success yeah pretty good you know and it doesn't it hasn't seemed to have taken you too much time to do yeah that's true it hasn't I I just need to find more recipes that are for lazy people. When I get home from work, the last thing I want to do is stand up in the kitchen preparing a meal or, you know, and cooking. And then it's not just about cooking dinner. It takes you five minutes to eat and then you are on your feet for another however long cleaning up. So It's definitely not the sort of investment that you expect a lot of gains on, you know. Right. We are slow cooked some beef. And that took like, what, seven hours? And then you eat it in five minutes. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, well. But, and slow cooker meals are awesome. But then you have to clean your slow cooker. Yeah. You have to take the insert out. You have to wash it by hand. Yeah, yeah. It's just, Inconvenient. I need a a chef. Yeah, yeah. I should have won the lottery. Yes, yes. I I wish I would have won. Some of my Instagram friends and I... We all went in $10 each, 11 of us, including me. And I bought 45 
lottery tickets with the money. I mul- How much did you win? $2. Wow. Good investment. Yeah. It was really sweet. All the all the girls said, you know what? You keep my 18.18 cents. <laughs> <laughs> I was willing to give my share and let everybody else have 20 cents. Yeah. But they, I guess, felt really bad for me because... I mean, to be fair, you're the person who did the legwork for it. Yeah, that's true. But I had so much fun. I really did. I got off early that day and I drove around to like four different gas stations. So it cost you more than in gas than what we Not actually really. Want. You know, I have a Prius, so yeah, but... it's not that bad. But it kind of gave me something to live for for the day. All of a sudden, I had this boost of energy and excitement. So it was pretty fun. I think we'll do it again. I think yeah. it was fun. Oh, and by the way... Yeah. Someone who lives in Goose Creek, which is 30 minutes away from us, won $20,000. 20 Gs? Yeah. I would put some huge spinners on my Prius. No, you wouldn't. You'd put some huge money in the bank and (laughs) pay off our loans is what you would do. That's absolutely true. Isn't it sad that if we won $20,000, it would just, like, we've already spent that. Like, we've already spent it. Yeah, dude, I got to pay off my bills at the strip club. Yeah. <laughs> I wish my. <laughs> How voice much is your tab? Man, I I mean just a Goldie. I owe her like nine grand. Who? Goldie. Goldie Hawn? No, I don't think so. Goldie. Ugh. Yeah, that sounds like I know what I'm talking about. That's awful. I don't think you can have tabs at strip clubs. Do you know what I mean? You'd like, know. Why would I know? I've never been to one. Yeah. What if we would have one? The $96 million jackpot. What would you do if we would have won the $96 million? Man, that's easy. Um, selfless, I would straightway go and like give money to people who needed it. Like, yeah, I'd go into so Walmart cool. and people who looked like they were down on their luck, I'd just slip them a G. That would know? be really cool. Yeah, I would go to um, like a rundown rinky-dink like diner and I listen to their stories you know because it's all yeah sit in the booth behind them and I'd be like so uh I hear you're having trouble with your you know buying your school books here's this little bit of cash and here's five thousand dollars buy some books with that buy some books and get yourself something nice yeah and then selfishly I go to a Ferrari dealership instantly and I'd buy a Ferrari off the lot with cash yeah and I'd just donuts i would go drive down to isle of palm and pull up to my dream house on the which beach which you can't find which anymore. i can't find <laughs> it's so ridiculous it's I, your dream house it but is you can't find it there's this gorgeous house on isle of palms which is about five minutes from where we live it kind of looks like the amityville how what is it called? cape cod source yeah it's but it's it's huge yeah and there's two parts of it. So it looks like the Amityville house times two yeah. and then connected. So it's yeah. really symmetrical. And it's the most beautiful shade of like peacock green. Is that really a color? Well, I don't know how to describe the color. Can you but just say dark or light green? It's like a, it's like a dark there we go. bluish green. But it's more turquoise. green than blue. It's not turquoise. Wise. Wise. Turquoise. Oh, and all this and all that. Candace and it's turquoise. I, no. That, that was horrible. Anyways, I would find it and then I'd roll into the driveway. I'd knock on the door and I'd say, excuse me, how much for your house? And they'd be like, 
uh, it's not for sale. Because they're British no, in my... No, they're not. They're probably yeah. not. No, we're in America. Right. But I can imagine only someone who lives in Britain and sold their house... No, that's not true. No, you're high. Okay. Maybe they're not British. They're but he'd go, darling, this house ain't for sale. Is he Foghorn Leghorn? No, that was my Charleston accent. Oh, it was? Yeah. So he'd say that and I'd be like, is it for sale now? And I'd pull out a, like a briefcase. Of one dollar bills. No, of hundreds, and it would be like seven million. And it'd be like, darling. So it'd be I'll like take that money. So it'd be a couple mil over what nice. he paid yeah, for yeah, it. Nice, nice. And he'd say, darling, are you crazy? And I'd say, no. Yes. And then here would come twelve U-Hauls, just ready to move them out. And I'd be like, be out in a week. It's aggressive. Yeah. Um, where am I? Why is this going on? Um, you're there. For backup. Okay. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the heavies. Yeah, you're standing guard just in case things take a turn for the worse. Which inevitably they will. So, mm-hmm. I mean, what I would recommend is yes, let's buy the house. It's gorgeous once we yeah. find it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we gotta locate it. Yeah, we gotta first. locate it. Um, <laughs> but let's just, you know, do it the proper way, you know, like a little offer. Hey, uh, how do you fancy moving? Ooh, you know what I could do? Just. Because I'm rich and it would be funny, I could write the offer on some kind of tacky little ripped piece of paper. Like a receipt. Yeah, like the back of a receipt or something. You could use a, a CVS Walmart receipt. receipt. Yeah, because no, CVS, you get like 11 feet, don't you? Whenever you go in there, <laughs> they give you basically a roll of toilet tissue. Exactly. You could turn it sideways and then all the zeros would fit on it. Yeah. So I would write it on the back of that and then I'd fold it up really tightly and I'd slowly put it in his top pocket yeah slowly reach over and hand it to him yeah nice nice all right cool well now we know what we do with the money yeah and we would start an infertility foundation I think absolutely there's not enough of them Daniel's dream I actually went on to look at what infertility grants there are right now because who's grant do i know him har har i went online to look at all these different grants sometimes they'll have different grants going on at different times so they'll open an application for you know however long of a period you have to apply and then you either get it or don't well every single one i found has an application fee of fifty dollars so it's like the lottery again. Well, they get to take all that I'm money. Just, I can appreciate that. There's a someone, Yeah, fees. someone has to, they have to meet. Yeah, someone yeah. has to review the application. So you have to pay someone to do that. But I just think it's crazy because if I'm applying for a grant, that means I'm broke. <laughs> I broke. I ain't got no $50. So I didn't apply for the grants because I'm not going to pay $50 per application. What if there's... Two or three grants. Uh, I'm not going to pay $150 just to maybe get some money. you got to spend craziness. money to make money. Is that even nah, true? Nah, fam. Nah, fam. So what I wanted to talk about today, this is going to be a two-part episode. So episode five and episode six will be about relationships. And we all know, having gone through infertility, that it can change a lot of aspects Of your life. Yeah, 100%. One of those areas is relationships. And these are relationships that, you know, with your friends, family, 
your spouse, your coworkers, your boss, the president. No, we um we don't know the president. No, I was just saying if you're listening. The first relationship I want to talk about is relationships with friends and how that changes. There are two types of friendships when you're going through infertility. There are friendships that already have roots. So there are existing friendships that you've had for years. So you start going through infertility and things start changing and it's weird. The other type is the friends you make after. After. Yeah. So those are going to look probably completely different. So you could call it B-I-V-F and A-I-V-F, before (laughs) I-V-F and after I-V-F. Yeah, like a timeline. Yeah. And it's unique because the people that you meet afterwards are going to know you in a different way. So when you first start trying to conceive, a lot of people become surprised when their existing friendships start changing. Yeah. I mean, I, I was surprised when people would kind of dismiss themselves from my life because I was going through a hard time. I thought that was strange. Yeah, much easier for me because um, I don't have any friends, so it's very easy for me. Well, you have acquaintances here. Most of your friends' friends are back home in England, and I think you kind of like it that way, don't you? I do. I think they're good people, but I... um. I'm just better on my own. I'm a lone wolf. Nah. Yeah, no, I am. I'm totally a lone wolf. Talking of spirit animals, which animal would you say would best represent you at the present time? A sloth, for sure. That is 100% my spirit animal. I don't mean to be basic and trendy, but sloth is 100% my spirit animal. That's just who I identify with the most. 100% sloth. Yeah. Although you move quicker than a sloth. <laughs> I do when I need to. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're quite rapid and scrappy. So. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'd be, um, I like giraffes. I like their way of doing things. Um, what is their way of doing things? You know, just, they do it at their speed. Yeah. You know, like giraffe speed. And I, I appreciate <laughs> the fact that their, their length of their necks, <laughs> like they can get anything they want. Yeah. Good luck driving in a sports car, though, giraffe. (laughs) (laughs) Under a bridge. (laughs) Under a bridge. By head. Uh Oh. Let's go back to the friend thing. Yeah, that's, that's... I talked about this briefly in episode three, about how I had a friend who was trying the same time as I was, and, well, for a shorter period of time. For like a month. And when she got pregnant, she thought it was too uncomfortable to be my friend, and This happens to so many people. I see friends on Instagram posting and saying, has this ever happened to you? And to me, it's old news. Yeah. This this has happened to me and so many other people that I know. But I remember how shocked you are when you first start trying. Yeah. And your friends just kind of abandon you. Yeah. It's, It's horrible. But really... It has two parts to it. Maybe this person really feels awkward that they have something that I've been desiring. Maybe she thought I was going to steal her baby or something. I don't know. I wouldn't rule that out. Yeah. In addition, if uh, I don't want to do something or see someone in the future, I'm just going to say they make me uncomfortable. (laughs) Like for everything. 
hey, uh, Daniel, have you got that report that's due in three days? You know what? This is making me uncomfortable. Right. And I just am leave. not doing this. Yeah. Or, or the second part is maybe my behavior influenced her decision to bail out on me. Maybe I said something that made her feel like I couldn't handle being friends with a, a pregnant person. Maybe she thought I was just too weak or sad and pathetic. I don't know. I, I think I can... you're onto something, but I don't think you're heading down the right path. I can see someone saying, I don't want to be your friend because of previous things you've said, like, oh, people who get pregnant, you know, it's difficult to see. I don't think it has anything to do with you, you know, being weak or anything like that. It's everything to do with the fact well, I know exactly how she feels about my situation. It's just not yeah. going to be conducive to a healthy relationship. So I think that's more likely the situation. Yeah, I think I think so. But I also... But you are weak. You have no upper body strength. I could take you out in a minute. I'll reach across this table right now and show you how weak I really am. Your arms. No, seriously, don't. We're going to have to take an intermission. <laughs> Ow. Ow. Stop hitting me. <laughs> That was my intermission music. It was terrible. I won't quit my day job. Don't worry. But listen, ultimately, a true friend would not leave you. Someone very close to me who also struggled to get pregnant and and actually went through some really serious health issues in the pursuit of getting pregnant recently told me that she was pregnant. And this was really surprising to me and surprising to her too um, because they weren't really expecting this to happen after being told that it probably wouldn't happen and it not happening. And she called me and she said, I never want to hurt you. So I'll let you decide how involved you want to be in my life and in my pregnancy. If you want updates, I'll give you updates. Um, But if it's going to hurt you, I don't want you to feel that kind of hurt. And it was gentle it was protective and she wanted me to feel safe. And obviously she's able to offer me this because she knows yeah. how it feels uh, to maintain a relationship where everyone around you is having babies and you're not. Yeah. So that's a unique sort of friendship because she knows how it feels for women who haven't had that struggle. It's difficult for them to fully grasp the sensitivity required in these situations. Yeah. I have had some friends do a pretty good job though. Um in the past, you know, it's been a, it's been many years of infertility and loss and I've had many friends <laughs> have babies. I've had many friends have one and then two and then three. I would say all of your friends. Yeah. Pretty much all of my friends. Um, I actually can only think of one of your friends doesn't have a child and that's it. And I think that's through choice. Yeah. I can think of a few who don't, but um, ultimately my point with this is that a true friend would never dismiss themselves from your life. Never. And if you're listening to this and you've experienced this, let them go. Because honestly, if they're going to leave you during this critical time in your life when having a support system is so important, yeah. then they're not going to be there for you through other hard times. Yeah. Who knows what life has in store? So if it's not a solid friendship, 
Then in the words of Frozen, let him go. Let it go. Let him go. Freaking freaking let it go. <laughs> oh, I hate Frozen oh, gosh, so much. Me too. Making a second one. Sorry. Let's not even waste any more time <clears throat> on that. But I know I know how it feels. You know, I've I've been left yeah. behind over the years and it feels lonely everyone's progressing and they're having their kids moving into the parent phase of life and it's diapers and soccer games and ballet and you're standing there just watching it all happen and wondering when and if it'll ever happen for you yeah so hitting the clubs every weekend yeah I mean, it's, it is a very isolating time. Yeah, 100%. So to have a friend leave you in your darkest hour, so to speak, is unacceptable. And I just would encourage people, if that happens to you, let them walk. Because... There'll be more valuable people there who will are willing be, to hang around. Yes. And there will be people who actually really care. Yeah. And will provide a more quality friendship to you. I know for me, I am so thankful... For the connections I've made through the TTC community on Instagram. I, I don't know what I would be doing. Oh, you'd be a basket case. I just, the type of support that I've received over the past couple years since I made my account has been mind-blowing, honestly. People will ask for my address. They'll send me gifts. Like Someone sent me Cadbury's chocolate. Right. They sent Daniel England. gifts. They've sent our dogs Can gifts. we say their name? Can I shout that person out? Yeah, go ahead. Rosie. Big up yourself, Rosie. <laughs> thank what you. What does that mean? This means, like, on the streets of London, it means, thank you. Big up yourself, blood. Okay. Shout out Rosie. And it's not about the gifts. It's about the thoughtfulness that goes into it. The fact that someone thought of me that way. And I don't deserve that at all. But it's overwhelming the friendships that you establish with all these other women who really, truly know what you're going through. And sorry, you said TTC. Trying to conceive. Yeah. So can you give some more details for, for those people that don't necessarily have uh, or haven't connected? Give us some more details. I think if you're, if you've just started trying to conceive and you don't already have an Instagram account dedicated to that, do yourself a huge favor and make one. This is, this is great on multiple levels. So I started mine because I wanted to document our journey because I, our families actually didn't know that we were going through IVF at the time, which I'll get to in a minute. I just followed, I started following a bunch of really inspirational people, people that had YouTube channels that I had seen and one thing kind of led to another and I started seeing all these hashtags about TTC and IVF and that led me to following more people Then people started following me and I quickly realized, wow, this is bigger than I could have imagined this is actually a community of people and a community of support so if you haven't made an instagram account i really encourage you to make one you know you're gonna want to look back and see all of the things that you've gone through and um document it all anyways yeah and then it's a great way to get connected also the website that i created the infertility.com this is really dedicated to the instagram community So it's a place for 
asking questions, getting answers, connecting with others. And I see those connections being made already. And it makes me so happy to see people meeting each other that way. I think in addition, probably the greatest thing to come from this is uh, the knowledge of, you know, meeting with our new doctor who has given us answers that our previous doctors couldn't. So I think the benefit of the TTC community is um, an unparalleled amount of knowledge between people that have been through this mm-hmm. and are going through it. So, yeah, I, I encourage you, mm-hmm. as a husband who sat on the outside and watched his wife go through this and meet these people and have the ability to find hope in the strangest places, it is by far the most effective thing we've seen since starting this journey. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know how people do it alone. Years and years ago, when Instagram wasn't even a thing, when social media and connecting with other people across the world wasn't even really a thing, I don't know how people went through this. And there was less of them back then. So how isolating must that really have been? I agree with you because we wouldn't have known about Dr. Braverman. Nobody would have told us that. Our clinic wouldn't have told us that. We would never have known what a reproductive immunologist is. Yeah. Or even if they existed, so. I remember my friend messaging me about him probably two failed transfers ago. Can you shout her out? Hey, Heather, what's going on? Big up yourself, Heather. (laughs) Big up yourself, Heather. (laughs) Nice. And I was like, oh, a doctor in New York. Oh, we couldn't possibly work with a doctor in New York. And I kind of just thought, oh, you know, I can't send my embryos to New York and I can't afford that. And all these kind of self-doubting things came up in my head. And then we lost another one and then another one. And I was just like, no more. I'm not doing this again. All that to say, we wouldn't have known about him. And I'm so thankful that we ended up going that route. Yeah. Another set of relationships that change. This is a tricky one, is family. How, how do these change? I'm interested to know what, what you mean by change and then well, who. You wouldn't think that the relationship with your family would change because of infertility. But the thing about it is, is people continue to live their lives. It's different because ultimately sharing details about your struggles really comes down to your existing relationship with your family. So your decision to tell your family or not is going to look similar to you divulging other intimate details about your life to them. Yeah. I know that whoever you tell is going to have a lot of questions. So if you're happy with answering a lot of questions, then go ahead and tell your family Mm -hmm. all the details. Yeah. Tell them everything that's going on. If you're not comfortable with that and you're a little more private like you and I used to be, here we are talking on a podcast. It's not very private, but I think we've really evolved. We used to be very private people. As I said before, in the beginning, our families didn't know about our IVF. They, They knew that when we first started trying years and years and years ago, we were really excited. So we were talking about it and... Just mentioning it in casual conversation that, oh, when we have kids. And it was very much a part of the conversation because we were green. (laughs) Green. We were, we hadn't been devastated yet. Novices. Yeah. Rookies. We were rookies in the, um. Amateurs. Yeah. Amateurs, big time. Any other synonyms we can use there? Noobs. 
noobs. That's what the kids say. Just a little side note. When my mom was in high school, she had really big boobs. Her last name was Newbie, and they called her Noobs with the Boobs. No, they didn't. Yeah, they did. And it was devastating for her because she was a tomboy. But anyways, back to the podcast. Oh, on <laughs> God's green earth. Yeah. Was... That's my mom you're talking about. <laughs> I know. How dare you keep her name out of your mouth. <laughs> Man. So I think once we started experiencing disappointment, we started being more and more selective about what we shared. And we stopped sharing at a certain point because it just became silly. We kind of felt, I felt silly. I can't speak for you, but for me, I had talked all this stuff about oh, you know, having babies and this and that. Blah, blah, blah. blah. I'm going to be a mum and and put it down, little kid. (laughs) And then here I was just not having any of the babies that I was talking about. And I did feel pretty stupid. So they didn't know about our IUI that we did. They didn't know about my second miscarriage. They did know about our um, ectopic pregnancy because we actually told them we were pregnant and then we had to take it back two days yeah, later. Yeah, not that, really. That sucked. Yeah. But we didn't want to tell them about IVF because we kind of wanted it to be like a surprise. We just well, we thought, just wanted normality, didn't we? We wanted, yeah. you know, no one else has to tell their parents or their family when they're trying to conceive. Right. You know, it just happens it and just you get happens to like... And then you, three months in, you get to tell them. You get to tell them at their birthday with yeah. like a little onesie in the box and say, so, oh, okay, so I know you wanted something cute. Open the box first, grandma. Oh my God. You yeah, know, and it's all caught on tape and then it goes on. You're pregnant? Yeah, it goes on Facebook and. We'll never get that. Never. We. We told my family, I wrapped up all the pregnancy tests. There was five of them. And I gave it to my sister and acted like it was a birthday present that I forgot to give her. Her birthday was a couple months before that. And I was like, oh, man, I I completely forgot to give you this. It was in the back of my closet and blah, blah, blah. And then she opened it and it was all these positive pregnancy tests. And we had my parents over for dinner. We'll never get that again. We'll never get the pregnancy reveal again because it's been taken from us in the worst way. So we were just hoping that by doing IVF, we just thought it was going to happen for us really quickly because IVF works for everyone, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So we did tell a couple people close to us. I told someone very close to me. You told someone very close to you and we needed, we needed support still. We kind of needed that hey, guess what happened, you know, to share those moments with, but... Um, you also need a sounding board because yeah. when you're both going through the same thing, the last person you want to talk to is the person that you're going through with it. You know, you want an additional yeah. person that isn't going through it and isn't mm-hmm. feeling these things and can, you know, make jokes and just support in the way that you need. I think it's so difficult for us because we live miles away from our families 4,000 from mine 2,000 from yours so really the only time we get support is over the phone Mm -hmm. it wasn't until we did our first round of IVF and we ended up losing our last embryo and made the decision to pursue more IVF that we decided to share it with our families 
we just felt that all of the skirting around the truth and the excuses about why we couldn't come home to visit were getting a little bit more difficult as time went on. It was getting harder yeah. to lie and well yeah the financial pressure grows and yes then, you know those people who have good jobs and have should have a high amount of disposable income right. the excuse can never be you don't have any money right. right and they wouldn't have understood that because we get what we want i mean we're adults we have good jobs and if i want a new dyson cordless vacuum i just buy it you know it's if we want to go somewhere we just go and that's been a luxury for a long time yeah and then it stopped being a luxury because all of our money was tied up in fertility treatments and the more the fertility treatments failed the more money you obviously need so we knew we were nowhere near being done with all of this mess true what did mum say to you when you first told her your mum um she said are you sure if you have this child you'll be stuck with her <laughs> i was like mum we've been together for years that. and she was like just come and get yourself a nice handsome british girl whatever she wouldn't <laughs> say that she adores me she said she said uh i knew something was up and she based that off of the fact whenever we were in England and you were around uh, other people's children, you were, you know, so obsessive over them. You wanted to hold them. You wanted to play with them. Uh, so she knew that our excuse of, yeah, I don't know if we're going to have kids, you know, was um, phony. Baloney. Yeah. And years ago, when we first started trying, my mother-in-law bought me a diaper bag from Kath Kidston, which is my favorite place in England. It's nice diaper bag. Yeah, it's lovely, and it's been sadly... cobwebs. <laughs> <laughs> sadly folded up in a bin with some other baby stuff from days of yore. Yore. <laughs> and unused. <laughs> so I wonder if it'll ever be used, but she was so excited when we talked about trying a long time ago, and... She was really supportive when we said we didn't want to have kids because yeah. that was an excuse for a long time. She said, oh, I think that's sensible. Yeah, yeah. That was my impression of her. But it was really bad. She would never say anything that was, you know, no. against what we wanted. And for us to say that we didn't want kids, she was just being supportive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Obviously she probably knew in her heart that that wasn't true because she knows me well enough to know that I've always wanted to be a mother. Yeah. Like, she's known that, I think. So, I told my mom. <laughs> mm. This is... Okay, so, my mom and I, we have a great relationship, but we've never been, like... Best friends. Best friends, holding hands. It's always really been mother-daughter type of relationship which which is good which is good so I felt a little bit awkward telling my mom because part of me felt like a failure a little bit that we needed to do this in order for me to have kids my mom had three kids in fact my mom had my sister when she was 37 and that was like oops surprise yeah she had me and my brother when she was young and then she had my sister Kennedy when she was 37 and all natural. Yeah. When I told my mom she was visiting for my graduation, I graduated last May from college 
Congratulations. And, uh, thank you. I, I don't know what to say. Um, but we went out to dinner and her and I went to the bathroom and I, I had just, my stomach was a knot. I just was like, I don't know what to say to her. I don't know how to tell her. And we were walking back to the table and I just blurted out, hey, me and Daniel are doing IVF. <laughs> And she looked at me, she was like smiling, and she's like, uh, what's that? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> and I was like, IVF, in vitro. And she said, oh, okay. Just like, Aww. what was she going to say? Like, who says that when you're walking back to the it, it dinner was table from the bathroom? And then we just had to sit there and like eat dinner the rest of the time. What a weirdo. Yeah. No, your timing for things is I know, atrocious. I know. But I, I felt awkward. I just, I kind of needed. You just done it over the phone. No, no, because like, I think I did it in a way on the way back to the table. So we didn't have to talk about it. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> so I was just the like, The poor woman hey. was probably sitting there going, IVF, in vitro. Yeah. Is there something wrong? Like wrong with her? Is she losing a limb? We ended up going into more detail about it, and she was very supportive and said that she was sorry and she was proud of me that I was brave enough to do that because as a kid, I was a freaking weenie. I was just yeah. a big weenie. <laughs> Anything. I had low pain tolerance. The fact that I was giving myself shots and going through egg retrievals and all of this, she just was yeah. so impressed. <laughs> yeah. So it was good that I told her. I told my dad. He was actually also in town for my graduation and we were sitting by the pool and I told him. And um, he always had suspected something was wrong because... Again, he knew, he yeah. he's known me my whole life. and Well, no, I would hope so. Yeah. He's your dad. Yeah. When my sister was born, I was 15, and I was obsessed with her. That's because you're her real mom. Shut up. She looks too much like you. I was obsessed with her, and I would take her. I can't believe my parents let me drive around town with her. I can't believe you're a I, terrible driver. I'm not a terrible driver. Don't listen to him. But my parents would let me take her all around, probably because I was a built-in babysitter. But yeah, absolutely. I was obsessed with her. When she would cry in the middle of the night, I would get up with her, and I'd go in there before my mom could. And I would, like, pick her up and soothe her back to sleep. And my mom would just kind of poke her head in and be like, okay, later. <laughs> Sleeping. <laughs> okay, bye. Uh -huh. And then pretty soon my mom would just stop getting up because she knew I would go down the hall and Dude. I was obsessed and I always wanted to be a mom from the time I was a little girl but when my sister was born I was obsessed and I couldn't wait to be a mother so my parents knew something was going on and they know that I'm a private person yeah. and that we would talk about it when we were ready and now we can't stop talking about it god save me <laughs> So ultimately, if you haven't yet told your family or you're thinking of starting IVF or you're thinking about going through fertility treatments or you're going through a rough time, your decision to divulge things to your family really should mirror your existing relationship with them. Just because if you don't really have a close relationship with your family, it might be awkward to talk about it. Yeah. Another strategy 
is if you do decide to tell your family, be clear about your needs. Yeah. For me, I told my family, look, I update my Instagram, follow me on there, because I'm not going to go to every single appointment and then start calling everybody in my family. No. There's too many of them. It's stressful. And I said, just follow along on Instagram. And that's worked for me. So if you want to limit their involvement in things, you could just say, look, I'll keep you posted or please respect my privacy. I'll let you know when there's something to talk about. I need your support, but not your advice. Or if you need their support, say that. I need your support. I need you to call me. I need you to come over. I need you to make sure I'm okay. There's a lot of people that they need the hugs. They need the coddling. They need someone to come over with a bottle of wine and dish and all of that kind of stuff. So be in tune with your needs and make sure your family knows that and can respect that. Yeah. Next week on the Infertility Podcast. Part two, relationships with your spouse and workplace. I'm Candice. And I'm Daniel. Night-night. Night-night. Bye. Bye.